Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Here's your host, Tyler Wagner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Today, we have Dan England there with us. So welcome to the show, man. Hey, George. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Grateful to have you on. So can you kick us off and tell us a little bit more about you and what you do? Yeah, for sure. So, so basically, I'm CEO and founder at a company called Sales Schema, and we're a fractional new business team um, for, for marketing agencies and related marketing service companies like web design development. So that basically means we're going out to the market, we're you know, knocking on doors in, in the right way, in a tasteful way to get good sales meetings for our clients and help them win their dream clients and close business and so on. So that's, that's what I'm up to now. Awesome. And can you tell us a little more about the comp- the type of companies that you work for? And, um, you know, just I, I see that you, you do marketing agencies, but any big companies or what do you do? Do you help small businesses? Yeah, yeah. So, so basically our focus tends to be boutique agencies, which I, I kind of put it roughly like 10 to 100 or so employees, although we've had agencies bigger than that. Um, and, and a lot of the times we're working with a marketing agency when they've sort of built themselves on referrals and personal networks and they get to a place where they kind of hit a ceiling that's not enough anymore. There's kind of a, sometimes a feast and a famine, you know, roller coaster where they work really hard on a project, but then they're not focusing on sales. And then they're kind of going back and forth between those extremes. And I think a lot of the times for agencies in that position and really any company in that position, that's in a service business, probably uh, there's a lot of, of stress and hand wringing about how to get beyond referrals and personal networks. And, and that's where, where we come in. And it's really, you know, not doing anything that's really far out of left field. It's basically just doing what's worked, but at scale. So helping them build relationships in the right way, you know, with companies that have the propensity to work with them. And we're using combinations of email, LinkedIn, and phone typically to do that. Okay, so question. Do you work with, um, with other businesses as partners so they can refer clients to each other? Or how does the, the B2B sales work? Yeah, yeah. So for us, uh, it's definitely changed and something we've iterated on a lot through the years. But for our clients, you know, for the marketing agency, what we've transitioned most accounts to and what we're finding to work really well right now is is basically um, direct outreach, you know, typically using some combination of email, LinkedIn, and phone, maybe occasionally direct mail. But the way that we're doing it is using uh, relationship selling. So we're using a personal connection as a way into an account. Um, to, to, you know, an ideal account that our clients can work with. And then still the agency is kind of being positioned front and center. Um, it's still, you know, there's, there's no, uh, we're, we're still very direct about it being a sales approach, but we're using the personal connection as a way in, if that makes sense. Interesting. Okay. I want to take it back to the beginning. So maybe how you got started in this and yeah, we can go, we can start from there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, my background originally was, was in the agency space, first working on the account side in a real kind of like entry-level position uh, at an agency here in New York. And I was working on consumer accounts and social media and literally like answering problems on Facebook walls and mm-hmm. pitching proposals that were never, never looked at most of the time. Uh, and then, you know, fell into a new business role at a small creative house, uh, was the first employee there and learned a whole lot. You know, long story short, helped them grow to seven figures and won a bunch of Fortune 500 clients. Um, didn't do well for the first year, year and a half, but then eventually kind of figured out how to deal with a role where you're kind of shuffling between sales and, and client service, which is what I think a lot of our clients are up against. A lot of people, you know, in early stage businesses are up against kind of balancing those two things and, and really wanted to, um, wanted, wanted something else, wanted to do my own thing. You know, this was when 
this was when like four hour work week was really big, you know, and it's, I guess it still is, but it was, now you look back on that book and it feels like kind of dated in a way, but also still, still relevant. So I read that book and was like, oh, I'm going to quit my job. You know, I'm going to do my own thing. And, uh, and, and the, I think a, a, a conversation that I remember from back then was, was when I was in the middle of this job and it was a good job. I'm still friends with my boss from then a good lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. nice product to sell but just knew I wanted to do my own thing. And, and I talked to, to a good friend, still friend, Mike Fishbein. And he said, Hey, you should write a book. Mm-hmm. I said, that's like, that's a ridiculous thing to do. Like mm-hmm. you can't just write a book. And he said, well, you know, you, did you go to college? I was like, yeah. Did, you know, did you write essays? Did you write a, you know, in college? And I was like, yeah, I wrote a thesis. You know, how long was the thesis? About 40 pages, <laughs> 60 oh, pages or something. And he's like, that's, that's a book. You know, you've already written basically a business book. So that's what I did as I wrote a book about account management, you know, worked really hard on it, got a lot of feedback, got, got a bunch of reviews, got all friends and family to give it all the reviews, you know, in the early yeah. stages and, and basically used that uh, and, and then got, you know, got some residual income from that, but used that to launch what became sales schema, what became the consultancy and that got my first initial clients. So I'm, I'm definitely a, you know, a big believer in self-publishing. I think it's, it's a great way to get content out there and, and mm-hmm. you know, build a business basically yeah oh yeah absolutely over here in authors unite we definitely believe that self-publishing or just having a book out in general is a great way to just grow your network and grow your business absolutely and since we're talking about the four-hour work week i'm curious um since they talk about uh you know delegating tasks in in that book um can you tell us like what you enjoy doing at, at, at your job like what's your specialty and then anything else that you delegate um like, what do you like doing, basically? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question and a simple but like you know meaningful question. I think um, mm-hmm. it's because it's, it's not always easy to answer, and it's like something I'm always trying to figure out. But yeah. lately, you know, the, the my my latest take on it is that the stuff that's not worth delegating is kind of what we're doing right now. Um, but but cre- you know, creating the content itself, um, I, I like to not have it be. And this is just my personal approach to it, but I like to. Um, do a pre-interview and like kind of, you know, dig into the content creation myself and not really have that be something that could be outsourced as easily or have like, have that be as systematized. Cause I think that's what kind of makes it interesting is the fact that every, every interview and every, every piece of content we put out is going to be kind of organic, right. And, and tailored to the, the person. So that's one thing that I'd to answer your question that I enjoy doing. I think the other stuff I enjoy doing is higher level planning um, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, figuring out who to hire, the stuff that is is kind of typically um, h- harder to get off your plate uh, in longer term, you know, planning and strategic thinking. Um, the stuff that I'm in the process of delegating now is uh, more of of the account management, the operational stuff, kind of like the, the interactions that our team's having with clients. That's mm-hmm. a little bit of a hybrid. I think there's some things that I'm sort of innovating on other things that, uh, you know, our team's kind of taking the lead with. Um, and then the stuff that's kind of more fully off my plate now is, um, you know, the, the, the lower level, like consistent processes, the, 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 the marketing, um, mm-hmm. our, our outbound, our internal outbound process, like the process we use to get agreement to a meeting with our mm-hmm. prospects is something that's pretty much fully delegated now. Yeah. Okay. I see that. Okay. And since we're on the topic of books, you do have a second book. So tell us about that. Yeah. So the second book is called the B2B Sales Blueprint. um, And that's a much more tactical B2B sales book. So it's basically really, you know, heavily centered on lead generation. Cause I I think that that's 
the process that a lot of my clients and a lot of the people that that book is kind of grounded in, uh, we're, we're, that's that's the hardest thing. And I think that's only become more difficult as there's more competition, not just for services and products, but for attention. So it's basically mm -hmm. about you know how to build lists, how to do outreach, and so on. Um, and it's something that is is always evolving. You know, so right now we have a course that's kind of based on the same thing mm -hmm. and just sort of the 2.0 version of that, um, more focused on on agencies because that's that's our bread and butter now. Um, just called the agency lead generation course. So that's kind of building on a lot of the stuff that I, I've originally developed in that book. Interesting. Okay. And since, since we were on the topic of, um, of liking what you do, um, you do have a podcast. So tell us a little bit more about that. Is that your passion project? Um, it's, it's, it's definitely something that I'm passionate about, but it's somewhere it's, it's still part of the business for sure. So it's as, as always, you know, somewhere in between. Um, yeah, but it's called the, the digital agency growth podcast. Um, and, and basically we're, we're, we're kind of broad framing it, you know, so we started out by just getting agency owners on to talk about their challenges right now we're we're getting a, whole, a big mix, a really mixed bag. So we're getting on uh, marketing leaders, CMOs, people that are making marketing decisions, which I think is really important because there's a lot of kind of reading the tea leaves that agencies and people are doing to figure out how these decisions are made, as opposed to just getting people on and asking them, you know, what they're up against. So mm -hmm. that's been really useful. We've also got on a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of bigger tech names, a lot of marketing thinkers. We've got Roy Sutherland on who, uh, recently. He wrote Alchemy, uh, Neil Robertson, uh, who's the, the head honcho over at influencer.co, which mm -hmm. is kind of like LinkedIn for influencers um, and, and a number of other people. So we're, we're, you know, kind of getting on both big names and actual operators that nobody's ever heard of. So uh, yeah. having a lot of fun with it for sure. Nice. Yeah, we do the same thing here. That's our um, cool. one of our number one ways to connect with other businesses is through the podcast. So it's a very good business tool and it's fun. So, oops, I yeah. keep hitting the microphone. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So since you're talking about landing big clients or having big people on your show, how do you how do you get big clients? Uh, what's like the don't tell me the secret sauce because that's that's for you to know. But maybe if people are listening and they want to land bigger clients. Like, how do you do it? Get like a preview. Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, I wish there was, you know, one, one form of secret sauce. I think that there's, there's less and less of that, although there is some. Mm -hmm. um, and it, again, you know, it's, I wish I had a great snappy silver bullet response, but it, it's always going to depend on your service and your offering. But I think that um, one thing that is, is tougher is doing the direct sales approach. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's, but that, that becomes easier when you're well specialized. So I think the foundation for everything is figuring out, you know, what use you serve in a market. So mm -hmm. where you can be useful as opposed to the work that you want to be doing, right? Because mm -hmm. the thing is uh, that has to come later. I think first you have to figure out where you're going to be useful. And then probably once you have happy clients and you're making lots of money and so on, you're probably going to be ha happy with that. And if you're not, then deal with that problem as it comes. But most people are. So that's mm -hmm. the first thing. And then the second part of the foundation, I think, is figuring out who's doing what actually being able to devote time and energy over a long time horizon to going out and, and winning clients and getting people to come on your show or, or whatever. So actually figuring out, you know, who's going to be doing the legwork. Mm -hmm. uh, and then from there, everything that's built on top of that is, is all the secret sauces, the tactics, the channels, all the stuff that, that I can nerd out on now. Um, and I, I think a lot of it is about more personalization, which is a buzzword that everybody's using right now. Uh, but it's important because there's more competition for attention than ever with, with mm -hmm. the whole world going digital with COVID, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, that's just, you know, the, the number of channels haven't increased. The number of channels have stayed the same, but literally 
everybody that was analog is now digital or at least floundering and trying to be digital. So the amount of competition, not just for your direct competitors, but for attention is, is incredible. So mm-hmm. the sort of like shotgun approach, you know, like wide numbers game thing is less, is less effective than it used to be. So numbers still matter. There, there still is a numbers game dynamic, but it's mm-hmm. more about being personalized. So there's a lot of ways to, to deal with personalization. I think that if you're going to make a podcast, that's already interesting. You know, mm-hmm. having somebody come on your show is already more of a hook than trying to pitch somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even that, you know, I'm a big believer in, in specializing and niching your podcast to your mm-hmm. particular area. Um, so that's one way in. One way, that, another thing that we do for our clients, and this gets into secret sauce a little bit, it's mm-hmm. not that I can't talk about it, it's just hard <laughs> for everybody to do, is, is finding people with whom you share personal connections, right? Mm-hmm. And then using that as a way in, as opposed mm-hmm. to just trying to find your end prospect and say, hey, I've got an amazing thing to sell you. If your thing is truly amazing, then mm-hmm. that's cool. But usually, you know, what happens is it's not going to be amazing until people have actually hired you mm-hmm. and actually worked with you. And then they get to, in hindsight, realize how it was amazing. That's the way yeah. most service companies work. Yeah. So then, then what's the other option? The other option is finding somebody that will actually have the meeting with you based mm-hmm. on a relationship, right? Based on your relationship to them through mm-hmm. some other thing. So what that means to get into secret sauce land is we have proprietary data that we've spent mm-hmm. a long time building up to figure mm-hmm. out where our clients might have a personal connection to a particular decision maker and then getting them the meeting that way. But if you can't do that, or you're not hiring people like us, you can still do that at, at, at maybe not scale, but just, you know, still devoting time to that and figuring out, okay, who are the C-level people that mm-hmm. went to the same college as me or mm-hmm. are part of the same trade association or whatever. And, and I think a lot of it, I know I'm, I'm rambling now is not, That's okay. is not trying to automate everything right away right mm-hmm. everyone's always trying to automate everything and i think that depending on what you're doing you it's really about finding the right level of automation and then figuring out what's really worth you know human brain power mm-hmm. yeah. yeah definitely yeah great answer man and um yeah so i wanted to ask you since since you it looks like you have a great system for getting your your clients more clients uh can you tell us a little bit more about uh what are some common pitfalls that your clients fall through and then you come in and then you fix their problem can tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great question. So I, I think the, the biggest pitfall, um, and, and this is, I'm not sure if this is with everybody or if it's just sort of something I tend to find in the agency space mm-hmm. is, is mindset in terms of like what sales is. And a lot of people are thinking of, especially if they're running an agency, they're thinking of new business or sales. It's a new business and agency parlance uh, as something that they get to do when it's convenient, right? Mm-hmm. When it's something, Hey, I have downtime. Hey, we have, we don't have projects in the hopper. We need to get some mm-hmm. business right now. And that's a really unhealthy way to think about it. You know, what you want is thinking about it like you would eating healthy or going to the gym. It's not something you just get to decide to stop doing for a month. You know, mm-hmm. it's something you have to be consistent about. So mm-hmm. if you get to the place of being able to hire somebody or hiring a team like ours or people internally or whatever, then you can get stuff off of your plate and that happens over time. But if it's, if it's just you or you have a very small team, then you've really got to be carving out major amounts of time to be devoting to new business you need to be getting into the habit of doing it every single day um, mm-hmm. or somebody's got to be doing it, you know? So that's, that's the most important thing. And I think that's the biggest pitfall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, another, another pitfall I think I see from there is this sort of thinking um, along the lines of we need to have all of our ducks in a row in order to 
go out to our market and sell people things, you know, Oh, we, you know, we want to, we want to do a campaign, but we need to get the website perfect first or, or whatever, or this or that. And, and you know, I, I get, I get that. And I think that the website does matter. Although I do, I do have a clickbait, article from three years ago that says why your website doesn't matter, but that's not true. It's, that's an exact, it's a hyperbole, uh, but it, 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 it does matter. But the thing is like, we, we've gotten tons of meetings and closed business for agencies that have a website from 1995. You know, you can get the meeting, uh, and if you and if you wait to get that meeting, if you just put time into it, it's just opportunity cost. There's just that's just somebody that could have known you that doesn't know you that's probably going to go in a different direction in that amount of time that you have therefore lost. And I keep mm-hmm. encountering this all the time. So it's like, you know, th- this idea that you contact somebody and because they don't want to talk to you right now, they're burned forever. It's just head trash. That's not true. Like. You need to be getting getting in sooner with people, even if everything's not perfect, because nothing's ever perfect. Mm-hmm. Your website's never going to be perfect. Your agency's never going to be perfectly positioned. Um, you still need to be getting that relationship sooner rather than later, or else somebody else will. And the thing mm-hmm. is, people are busy. <laughs> you know, people might poke around on your site for five minutes, mm-hmm. but if their interest is peaked, they're not going to like do a bunch of due diligence in order to build their relationship with you. They're going to do a little bit, but not a lot. So that's that's the second big thing I see. And there's probably a number of other things I could complain about, but I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> yeah. So basically, what I'm getting is that you come in and you see that most agencies are wasting their time. They're being too relaxed, or they're focusing too much on the website. And then you come in and then you do the things. You help them do the things that actually move the needle and actually get them clients. Yeah, exactly. And, and just to like harp on the website thing, I think that a lot of the times people are taking lessons from the wrong places, right? And, and mm-hmm. I think that um, there's a major marketing automation platform that I won't name. They do mm-hmm. great stuff. I'm not knocking them at all. But a lot of the times we see agencies hiring, you know, build, like investing in the software when there's like nobody to run it. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have like an infrastructure of content or anybody developing content. They're mm-hmm. not really, they don't really have a plan for getting anything inbound, um, but yet they're investing massive amounts of money in this software and just to, to no particular end. It's like, it's like buying an 18 wheeler to move your one bedroom apartment <laughs> across the street. Like it just doesn't make sense when really like what they need to be doing is just simply getting meetings and relationships with the people that are just like their clients or their historic clients. Um, we obviously help with that, but even if people never hire us, there's there's a lot that they can do to to make that happen. So, yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it sounds like you do a great job of coming in, and actually getting getting stuff done instead of just poking around and just or buying expensive software without anybody to run it. So, that's right. awesome. Yeah, that's and, what we go for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm gonna be asking some questions from your sheet. So, how do you find the balance between automating and customizing your sales marketing process? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. It's, I feel like I've like a masochistically set myself up for a hard question that I asked myself. Uh, but, but anyway, I, I think that when we're talking about the context of like B2B and going after, you know, larger deals and that sort of thing, there's a point at which you get diminishing returns from automation, mm-hmm. right? Where you run more risk of maybe offending somebody or, or at worst or at best just being less effective than mm-hmm. if you actually came up with a custom email. So mm-hmm. there's not any hard and fast rule for this, but what, what we like and what, what you know our experience has been is that when you get a response from somebody, they should leave the galaxy of, they should leave one galaxy and go into a less automated galaxy, basically mm-hmm. like a sci-fi novel or something. So if you're doing, if you're doing outreach and maybe you're using an outbound email platform and then you get a response, you shouldn't try to automate the next step. That person, that is then assume, assuming it's somebody that said, 
you know, had a question or said they want to talk or whatever, that's where it's worth going into your CRM. So once somebody mm -hmm. is in your CRM, they are, they are worth, you know, one-to-one -one responses. Now you mm -hmm. might automate, you might semi-automate that process. You might have portions of it that are canned. You might have a canned response that you're mm -hmm. customizing the opening line to, you know, mm -hmm. you can, you can play with it. But the idea is once you've had a real warm body, you know, interaction with somebody, they then should decrease in the level of, of automation, automation and so on from there. So then once you've had an actual conversation with somebody like back and forth, then they pretty much should be leaving that automated realm almost completely with some exceptions, right? Because that's where you're dealing with somebody that's potentially interested in your services. Again, mm -hmm. this, this is a, a rough template for big ticket products and services. If you're selling mm -hmm. courses or you're selling something that doesn't involve a sales process, it's different. Mm -hmm. um, this is for, you know, kind of B2B, quote unquote, enterprise land. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yes, we do the same thing here at Outdoors Unite. We, um, we automate uh, the LinkedIn outreach. But um, other than that, we, we have to be there and talk to the clients. Even if they don't buy anything, we have to give a one-to-one -one response to the people who actually respond. So, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I agree with that, that, that statement. <laughs> yeah, so another question. Here we go. How can I tastefully open doors with a cold email? That's a great question, actually. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's kind of going back to um, some of the things I was talking about. But I, I think I think the the big way is to start start relatively small. I think a lot again, a lot of people want to build this fancy machine that's going to run without them mm -hmm. right away, and it's more about taking baby steps. So you know, we have a course on this, and a lot of what we talk about is first figuring out you know what makes a good client. And then doing the grunt work, at least at the very early stages yourself. So if you're an owner or you're in a senior position in a company, actually doing the stuff that seems a little bit tedious, at least just for that first go around. Because what that's mm -hmm. going to do is give you a lot of market intelligence and help you understand how these processes work and how to communicate with your audience. So that's the first thing is maybe building smaller lists, like maybe aiming mm -hmm. to build just like a highly customized list of mm -hmm. 100 people. And then figuring out how to personalize uh, in a small way each one of those messages. So that might be referencing something that is is, is publicly attainable about that prospect or about that company, mm. and then doing this this outreach in a small batch way. And then from there, you know, kind of taking baby steps towards delegating it and automating portions of it. And that can mean hiring list builders. So you know, you have a list, and then you have a list builder. Hey, go find me X Y Z about this prospect put it mm -hmm. in the spreadsheet and then upload it and send it, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's something you can get help with. Um, and then, and then onwards from there. So I think that the, the to answer your question to tastefully open doors though, um, cause I think I kind of, I kind of missed the question. It's a, it's a lot about, you know, it's a lot about kind of thinking more along the lines of these uh, kind, kind of human based cues as opposed to just selling somebody, you know, cause mm -hmm you have to keep in mind that all you're trying to do with cold email is to de-risk a conversation. You're not trying to get somebody to buy anything. You're not trying to get somebody to sign up. You're just trying to de-risk a conversation. So once you can, once you narrow the focus, then it becomes a lot easier, you know? So then you can de-risk that conversation typically through this kind of like tribal human based thing where the person's trying to think, okay, is this person actually in my world? Uh, yes or no, you know, and, and that can be communicated a lot of different ways. That can be again through the personal connection thing, or even just by how your LinkedIn profile is set up. You know, are you mm -hmm. specialized or not? Like, if you're focused on a particular area, people will have the conversation with you because they want to they want to know what you're up to because you mm -hmm. know about their space. So that's one thing. Um, you know, just, just mutual connections, 
you know, the fact that you, you've built relationships with other people in their world can help a lot. And, and honestly, not overselling, you know, not, not leading with, with a pitch um, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases helps out a lot because they're going to know that you want new business. Mm-hmm. They're going to go to your site. You're going to mention your company in the email, but you don't have, you, you don't have to focus on it. And a lot of it's not about focusing on yourself. A lot of it's about more focusing on second person, you know, what the other person's going to get. So there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways, but I think the biggest, if there's one takeaway, it's focus on simply de-risking that first conversation. Okay. Interesting. I really like that word, de-risking. Mm-hmm. Powerful yeah, word. And since I feel like you will be a great advocate for content marketing, since you can, you can kind of de-risk the interaction by having like an indirect line of contact with the clients. So for example, you make YouTube videos and you offer a lot of value. They see your face, they see your company and slowly but surely you build a long-term relationship with them. It's a one-way relationship because they see you, but you don't see them. But eventually they can reach out to you and say, Hey, like I would like to work together. I've been watching you for X amount of time can work together. So what do you think about content marketing as a, as a way to get new clients? Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously it's, uh, it's, it's important and it's, it's amazing. You know, it it works really well and everything you said is true. I think Mm -hmm. that the challenge becomes figuring out like where to put your energy and not spreading yourself too thin. Um, and that's sort of a combination of, you know, I think your people's skill sets, um, what, what they like doing, obviously if people are extreme introverts, them doing what I'm doing right now as a annoying extrovert is really hard. So I, I think that, if, if you can't afford to hire somebody else to do it or, or get, get it off your plate, then you've got to kind of figure out a different channel, which, which like you guys are big advocates for could be, could be a book, you know, could be mm-hmm. writing. Um, I think what's really cool about the, about books is that it's, it's often taken for granted, but you, you're, it's essentially a traffic channel and, you know, a way to get leads. And also you, you're, you're going to make money from people buying the book itself through Amazon and everybody that buys that book because they're, they're actually going to be reading it and investing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, both time and money makes them incredible prospects if you if you make it focus on the right area. So I, I couldn't agree with writing a book more. It's something I need to do myself, but again, you know, but it's just such a such a time investment. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one particular weapon. Uh, another is is the podcast like we're doing now. Um, I think the podcast also has you know multiple benefits. For one, you're you're getting you're getting potential prospects on. So you have that approach, you're building content. It's, mm-hmm. it's disseminated over a network that nobody owns. Um, mm-hmm. Everything else has platform risk. You know, if you write a book and put it on Amazon, maybe Amazon shifts things up next year and mm-hmm. it doesn't get shown anymore. Mm-hmm. Podcast, you know, you're, it's a protocol basically. Um, I, I think that whatever you do though, you, you want to be building an email list because that's something mm-hmm. that you own forever. And it's, it's something that has, you know, accruing interest. So mm-hmm. whether it's podcast, YouTube, book, like you want to have a way for people to convert to a list and you want to be feeding them content frequently, whether it's whatever, week, bi-weekly, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, that's, that's the most important thing. And that's kind of how I've thought about it. But we're definitely, my main specialty is outreach and outbound. So I'm not like the, the best inbound marketing guru, but we've done it for ourselves for a long time. And I, I find it to be really fun to be creating content. I think that it helps me clarify my thinking and, you know, figure out um, a lot of things about, about my business and my audience beyond just the, you know, the, the leads and the traffic and all that good stuff. So. Okay. I see. Yeah. I mean, your books are great content marketing. The podcast is great content marketing. Like you said, you can get um, potential clients in there and yeah. And I mean, 
maybe you can tell me, do you think it's a good long-term strategy to become quote unquote social media famous and maybe get new clients that way or become like a, like an influencer? And you think that's a better long-term strategy than building an email list and just emailing uh, that list forever? Or you think it's, it's worthwhile to go out there and do something big and get a big crowd online? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I, I don't think they're they're mutually exclusive. I think you can you can do both. Um, most of the social media influencers I know uh, are, are realize after a certain number a certain amount of time that they need to be building their own audience because mm-hmm. because of that platform risk. It's usually not a white belt um, realization. It's usually like a blue belt or a purple belt. Mm-hmm. I, you know, to, to use the martial arts analogy, mm-hmm. um, but but most of them, you know, realize like if, if they've been around the block for a while, uh, and this is like friends of mine. Like I have a, my buddy Nate has the eighty twenty drummer. It's a really successful drum course. Mm-hmm. Um, realize pretty soon that the platform risk is a thing, and they they need to own the audience. So I think that there's huge you know benefit to um, to using these platforms. That's where the traffic is, but you still want to want to be figuring out a way to get people onto your own platform over time. Um, and I think that, cause there, there's always going to be risk. Yeah. So I think it's, it's mm. both. Okay. Got it. Great answer. And yeah, I want to leave the floor to you. If you want to leave your social, your website where people can find you any closing words, then go ahead. Oh yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. So to shamelessly plug stuff uh, we have, if, if you're in the agency world or web design development, um, we, we do have a course, we're going to be relaunching it in Q4. I want to, I want to wait till after the election just because things are going to get crazy. And I, oh, yeah. I think people's <laughs> attention is going to be fried, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so it should be around, I want to say late November. Um, and that's uh, saleschema.com slash course launch, one word. Uh, beyond that, you know, always happy to connect. Um, just dan at saleschema.com is my email. And our site itself uh, has plenty, plenty of stuff on it. So yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, Dan. It was a pleasure. George, great questions. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Had a lot of fun. All right. Take care now. Thanks, man. The Authors Unite show is sponsored by AuthorsUnite.com. Your one-stop shop for becoming a profitable author and maximizing your impact.